So Money Episode 976, Sally Holder, author of Hitting Rock Middle. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. We only get one trip. So at the conclusion of it, when you imagine yourself in your old age and you imagine who you became, not just what you accomplished, but the person that you are, who is it that you want to have become? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. You know, you might be listening to this show and you're feeling a little stuck or a lot stuck. You know, we're embarking on a new year, 2020, a lot of pressure. It's a new year, but it's also a new decade. And if you think about 10 years ago, where you were and where you are now, are you content? Are you happy? Or is this now the time for you to strike out and do what you actually always wanted to do? Our guest today is Sally Holder. She's a nationally recognized public speaker and business coach who also felt stuck once upon a time in her life. From the outside looking in, Sally seemed to have it all. She was a top professional of the year before the age of 30. She was making six figures, wildly successful by society's standards. But to use her words, she felt like an imposter and decided from there that she wanted to make a change. She describes this moment as hitting rock middle. Her journey has now turned into a book. Sally and I talk about the specifics behind her hitting rock middle, how she pulled herself up out of that, and the realities of getting to a better place. How long will it take? What's the mindset change that has to happen? What is the actual work? Here's the lovely Sally Holder. Sally Holder, welcome to So Money. Thank you, Farnoosh. I am so excited to be here. We met at the iconic event, Allie Brown's incredible workshop event uh, over two days in Phoenix. I had the pleasure of meeting so many incredible, ambitious, accomplished women such as yourself. And I was in love with your book that's coming out soon and it's available for for pre-sale, but it's called Hitting Rock Middle. Um, Not rock bottom but rock middle. Um, So let's start there because I love the title. I think this is really relatable, but you have a real personal experience as to how you got to this and how you ended up coining the phrase. So tell me your personal journey behind hitting rock middle. You know, I had followed the model to success really diligently. I mean, I was a high achiever from the start. You know, if there was a bump, box to be checked, I was going to check it, you know, and then at the end of all of that, I was kind of waiting for, you know, the proverbial rainbow, Um, like a feeling of peace and fulfillment. Like I thought that I would kind of reach this point. And I kind of jokingly say this in the book that like someone was going to crown me with the award of you have reached success. (laughs) And that never happened. Um, I went to, you know, a prestigious undergraduate school. I got my law degree. I worked at one of the top labor and employment law firms in the country. I traveled, I worked with incredible clients and I was miserable. Um, And so 
I really was beating myself up for the longest time. I was just thinking, what did I do wrong? And why am I not feeling this feeling of fulfillment and gratitude for all of the hard work that I've put in all of the years of blood, sweat and tears. And, um, you know, I just thought I had made some sort of mistake, right? Or that, frankly, I there was some other box that I hadn't yet checked. And all of these people kept looking at me telling me, well, it's just not all great all the time. And, you know, that was fine. I wasn't trying to say that every single day needed to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I had an inkling that, you know, things didn't need to be as hard as they were, right? I didn't need to feel as miserable as I was. So I really kind of started looking for a solution. I took all the tests. I did Myers-Briggs, you know, again, like externally, if there was someone to pay money to a therapist or whatever, you name it, I had done it. And I wasn't finding any relief for this feeling of, you know, a lack of fulfillment. And So, you know, and the worst part, I think, too, was that when I would go to friends or family members or even colleagues to say, hey, I'm just not loving this, you know, the response I always got from them was, you know, again, well, you're so successful, though, right? You're you're getting six figure income, which will go into all of my beliefs around money that came out of all of this, is that you've got all of these things, you know, you, everything is great. It should be enough. It should be enough. It it should. And it just wasn't. So can I stop you for a second? Because I kind of want to understand, I think a lot of us are in this place or have experienced this place in life. And I'm curious for you, what was it that, can you describe some of these like moments that you were having and the feelings that you were feeling? And was it that you were thinking about this stuff like when your head hit the pillow at night? Was it in the moments? Take me there because I kind of want to know how you were identifying this feeling because sometimes you don't even know what you're feeling. Absolutely. You know, I kind of say a lot of times, you know, the people that are in rock middle have the house burning down around them and they don't even know that the house is on fire. Um, and so for me, it really felt like, um, I had all this external success, but an internal emptiness. Um, I, felt the feeling most often when other people strangely would congratulate me on successful things. You know, they would say like, you must feel so great. You must love what you do. And, you know, you're so good at it. Things must be fantastic. And I would feel all of a sudden this real, you know, like almost like a fraud. <laughs> yes. Imposter like if syndrome. If only they knew. Yeah. Imposter Absolutely. syndrome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If only they knew how, what I really felt like and how hard it is for me to get up in the morning and get out of bed and, you know, put on this mask each day to pretend like everything is perfect and wonderful. And because that's kind of what society tells us too, is like, if you just keep pretending like everything's okay, one day it will be. And I just don't think that that's true. Um, and I suspect that the journey for everybody out of this rock middle place is going to be and look different. So for some I'm, I'm listening to, and I'm thinking, well, maybe 
it's really about recalibrating how you're valuing the things that you have in your life and that you're doing and the experiences that you're having. So we're putting, I can relate to this, which is that sometimes you have such great expectations of how something is going to be and it turns out okay, but maybe it's not what all your dreams were. Does that mean that that thing is not quote unquote great or successful or fantastic? No, it's just like you have to kind of change your expectations a little bit and not lowering your standards, but just being a little bit more realistic. Or maybe it's that you have to just like, you know, realize what is working in your life because sometimes we forget. I have my health. I have my a healthy relationship. I have a roof over my, like being grateful sometimes for these things and being aware of what is working in your life. Sometimes um, we need reminders, frankly, to, f- to start feeling like, oh, wait, I'm overthinking this. Like, I don't know. So I, I wonder from your perspective, like what is the mindset work that needs to happen sometimes? And then what is the work work? Cause it sounds like you did it all. So probably yes. you've gotten, you have the, you have the system now. Yes. So that's really what the book is intended to do is to give people, you know, the path out of rock middle and, and show them the formula that I followed. Um, so I coined this framework called be bolder. And it takes people step by step with really just some of what we talked about, really, you know, um, realigning yourself with what your real values are instead of aligning ourselves with what the societal values are. And so you looking at truly and the beginning step is just identifying who you want to be at the end of this. You know, I love that Marie Oliver quote about this wild and crazy life. and we only get one trip. So at the conclusion of it, when you imagine yourself in your old age, and you imagine who you became, not just what you accomplished, but the person that you are, who is it that you want to have become? And and what type of life did you lead? And very often when I ask people that question, you know, A, it's a question they haven't thought through very much because they're so focused on those external markers of success. They haven't thought a lot about the internal markers of success, about who they you know, want to be and what they want to feel. And, um, and so at the conclusion of it, they want things like freedom and they want things like an ability to travel with their kids and their spouse. They want things like, you know, to have had, you know, a, a financial freedom, which is great. I do encourage people to set big, bold financial goals as well. And, you know, and so if I had looked at some of those markers at the conclusion of my life, I would have known a long time ago that law wouldn't have been right for me because it doesn't provide that type of lifestyle. And yet I stayed there. I stayed at rock middle, that place that only met the external markers of success and none of the internal markers. Um, and I think that way too many people do and don't pursue a life that has both of them, the internal and the external. And what I'm here to say is you can have both of them. Um, You can achieve the internal fulfillment and still have, you know, all of those external things, great income. And I actually argue that you'll have more of them when you're doing the thing that you were put on this earth to do. 
And how much time should you give yourself, right? This, this is a journey. A yeah. lot of us who f- perhaps are feeling these feels, we're, um, <laughs> I would say I'm impatient. Like we're, we're not the patient <laughs> type. We want things to work out on our schedule and we want things to happen yesterday. So how much forgiveness and time and all the things should you give yourself? What a great question. And Lord knows, I wish I had a perfect answer for it. And I just don't. I mean, creating change from a place of success, which is what Rock Middle is a lot of, of, is a lot of people in a place of success, is really hard. It's hard work because, as you mentioned too, it takes a lot of, and the beginning process is a, a lot of reworking your mindset to re-identify, you know, with some of those, you know, internal parts of yourself that you've, I don't know about everyone, but for most people, we kind of lock them away, right? The things that we really care about because we're highly driven people where a lot of us at stuck at rock middle are type a people that, you know, they want to do the right thing and they want to check the boxes. Um, and so, you know, they think that one day they'll just ultimately get to that fulfilling place. But a lot of times they just stay forever in that unfulfilling prison, you know? Um, And so I think that for each person, it is very different. Um, And a lot of it is based on how resistant you are to change. Um, I was working with a client this morning on a coaching call and you know, she was able to create remarkable change in her business because these changes can create great financial rewards, you know, and she was able to double the income in her business. Now she's a new startup, but still double the the projected income for 2020 in her business by making some slight changes over the course of a month. And she was just ready for change. She wasn't resistant to thinking a different way, applying new paradigms and thought processes and thinking about, um, you know, the approach to her life and business in a really different way. And so it's up to you to decide, like, you can stay where you are, you know, I always kind of jokingly say, but it's true, like nothing changes if nothing changes. So if you want to just dip your toe in the water of change, it's going to take you a really long time. If you want to jump in wholeheartedly and you're willing to follow all the steps that I lay out in the framework in the book, then you can do it rather quickly. What do you think about money and the role that it plays in sometimes misguiding us down this quote unquote path of success? For you, at least, how much was money a motivating factor and how should we think about money um, so that we don't get stuck in this place of, it's funny to say, but like stuck in success land versus being fueled in the land of fulfillment. You know, like I I think success and fulfillment are such different things. I think you've clearly stated that too. But sometimes when we're just kind of pursuing the money, we can arrive at a place where we're like, okay, I have the money, but why do I still feel like crap? Right. Yeah. And that was exactly what happened to me, you know, having the money and I felt like crap. And um, I think money keeps us trapped because it makes us believe, or at least this is exactly what happened to me, is that it made me believe that I couldn't produce that type of income in any other way. 
right? I mean, I believed wholeheartedly that this was the only path for me to create wealth. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, and I think that the um, very often the the careers that we're in, in end up trapping us in that mindset as well, not just the money, but, you know, but the money plays a really big part in it. And, you know, very often when I'm coaching people to create this type of change in their lives, the first objection and the first amount of resistance comes from, you know, this thought process of, well, I can't make a wholesale change in my career or create fulfillment for myself because I have to have the money. And my argument to them is who's to say that you have to give up the money? You don't, right? There may be a slight process of transition. However, my argument is when you're doing the thing that you're meant to do, the money that you have now will pale in comparison to the income you're capable of creating when you're doing something that you're fulfilled by as well as that creates success for you. Because then it doesn't feel like work. And you can do far more of it you can do it more efficiently. You can do it more quickly. You're, you're doing work that is inspired action, which creates better results than forced action does all day long. So my argument isn't just a theory that you can create more income doing the thing that you're meant to do. It is fact. And I've lived it myself. I, I now doing this, you know, in this world of coaching and speaking and now, um, podcasting and and I have this book coming out. I'm doing all the things that I love to do, which is give back to more people who are trapped in the same place that I was and make far more now than I ever did practicing law at one of the largest firms in the country. And most people don't believe that, but, and I've done that in a matter of just a couple of years, whereas I spent 10 years slaving away doing that work that I hated but it continued to stifle my creativity. It continued to, you know, kill my work ethic, let's be honest, right? I mean, you're feeling like you're slaving away, doesn't produce the best work product. But when you're doing something you're really inspired by, it does. How do you put a value on what you do when you get from corporate mm-hmm. to then self-employment, entrepreneurship? How do you know what to charge? Yeah. There are a couple of ways that I was advise people to go about that process. The first is see what the market can bear. You know, look at what your, um, you know, quote unquote competitors are doing. If you want to do it, I can assure you in today's very creative entrepreneurial environment, someone else likely has done it too. So look out there, even if you're having to match together two different careers with different, you know, um, aspects of their businesses together. Um, and I love to have people create a timeline of what others are charging. So I always recommend, you know, analyze people all over the country because you're not limited to, you know, the space that you're in or the location that you're in and then create that timeline of the, amounts that they're charging. Look for the white space. Where are people not being served? Is it in the high end of the scale? Is it in the middle? Is it on the low end of the scale? And then what feels most appealing to you? You know, I always recommend that you do. And again, when I was practicing law, I probably would have listened to this part of the interview and thought this woman is crazy or somewhat woo woo, but, but spend some time meditating, 
that's the part where you can connect with your internal self and really listen to what your gut is telling you is going to make you feel inspired by doing the work that you need to do for the clients that you have. Right. I mean, I've worked with interior designers and artists and other coaches and everyone. And I ask them if that's the amount that you see that the market can bear. And that's where the white space lies. Are you inspired by that value? Right. If you sell your painting for that amount, or if you were to put in the hours of work to produce this podcast or whatever it is that you're being paid for, do you feel soulfully connected to that work? And if you do, then you know that you're being paid your value. And the point is to create a win win relationship with money that the person that is receiving the value of your product you know, it is getting a great value, but you as well, we don't have to sacrifice our price because it's not the problem. We don't have to sacrifice our price and our own value because eventually it cultivates and creates your resentment to your clients. And again, you're stuck in the same loop you were in when you were in the corporate world. You've just moved your seat. (laughs) You've just changed desks. Okay. Yes. That's it. You you now own the desk. Congratulations. So, yeah. All right. So this question is one that I like to ask all my guests, uh, if possible, and that is your biggest money mistake. And it doesn't wow. have to be like I lost my house or something catastrophic, but it could just be um, a clear moment in your financial life when you learned something, perhaps the hard way. Yes. Okay. I'll go with one that has come to me most recently. And that is the the reminder that this is going to sound crazy, but you know more than you think, you know, and I say that around money to mean that there is not a need to hire as many outside. And I'm saying this as a business coach, there is not a need to hire as many outside resources to help you as you believe that you might need. And let me put this in context for you. Meaning that when you're starting something that I would challenge you to, you know, really evaluate the knowledge that you currently have and not believe that you have to hire an outside expert to tell you what to do or to, you know, guide you or to, you know, go to 15 different conferences or, you know, and, I say all of that because I probably have made so many mistakes hiring other people to do work that I really could have done just as well, if not better, if I had believed in myself, right? And if I had believed fundamentally that I know more than I gave myself credit for at the beginning. So I spent a lot of money starting out in my business, paying other people to do work that I should have just kept for myself. And, um, had I believed in my own value and my own worth, then, you know, I wouldn't have made that big monetary mistake of, of wasting a lot of that on others. This question Mm -hmm. comes from our sponsor, Sally Chase, and it's the holidays approaching holidays, December. Um, and we're curious to know how you plan to make the most of it financially. Cause this is kind of a time of year when, you know, a lot of us can go a little in over our in over our heads with spending. So, what's one holiday shopping tip 
that you practice that helps alleviate some of that burnout? Oh, what a great question. Um, one of the biggest ones for me is certainly, um, you know, already planning out 2020. Um, I know that that sounds kind of crazy in relation to holiday shopping. But when I look at all of the things that are beyond the holidays, right, and don't think of the holidays as a, um, you know, a period of time that, you know, I, I just used to find myself in the position where I would be spending too much and over my skis. And, you know, I just lived so much in the moment of the holiday that I didn't think past the holiday into January thinking about, you know, what financial responsibilities I would have come the new year. And for me, that's helped remind me that there is life after the holidays. And there is, you know, a little less of the throw caution to the wind attitude now when I look at what's coming and I remind myself, gosh, you know, there are many fantastic things that I have coming in January and February and March, um, that are relative to my business. So it helps me, um, tame the need to splurge as much and the need to, um, you know, just waste a lot of extra income on things that I don't, need because I can look forward to the coming year and look forward to all of the other things that are coming my way. So it helps me really, um, you know, kind of keep this time of year in perspective and, um, you know, focus on the things that really give me the fulfillment that I want, which is always presence, not presence. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. This might seem like a I don't know, like an obvious question or maybe has an obvious answer, but I have to ask you, because since it's come up a a bunch on this uh, call, is what? how do you define fulfillment? I always tell people that my idea of fulfillment is just that feeling of freedom, you know, um, and I, it may, I think for every single person that's going to be different, but for me, um, a sense of freedom, both financially with independence to make choices in my life about what work I want to do, who I want to spend my time with, you know, and, um, you know, what makes me happy. And all that really boils down to giving myself that, you know, joy that can come from, you know, the freedom to, to make choices. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the freedom to do a podcast one day and, and not be on next. I mean, there's just all different kinds of things that can come from that sense of freedom. So when I find myself envious of others, uh, which is always a trigger for me that there is something lacking in myself. Um, so, you know, I'm always applying that tool of curiosity of like, oh, isn't that interesting? Instead of getting angry with myself, I look at them and say, what's missing from my life that's making me feel this way? And it's generally freedom. And so that's why I always end up kind of coming back to that word. And um, I know when I do have that feeling of freedom, I feel really full. And as we look ahead to 2020, Sally, what is what is your number one financial goal? One, and then mm-hmm. to avoid hitting rock middle because I feel like you can you can you can relapse sometimes, right? Like there's oh, yeah. potential. <laughs> how can you stay on track, and how can you continue to stay true to your? Um, definition of fulfillment as 
a new year embarks and there's a lot that we want to do. And, and and again, they can get into that cycle of being feeling like you're on a hamster wheel and, you know, because you've got a lot of things that you want to accomplish. So that's the second part of the question. First is what's your number one financial goal for 2020? And then two, how can we, and how are you committing to this, um, this track of staying fulfilled in 2020? I think um, my top financial goal for 2020 is to um, be completely debt-free, which I would absolutely love. Um, And that means entirely. Um, So house, all everything. Um, And it may sound ridiculous or too ambitious, but, um, you know, we would like to do an addition on our home and we've kind of set a couple year goal of being able to do that in cash. So, um, and I've already taken the time to, you know, spend a full day just really mapping out what the possibilities are to create that. In fact, we did that together for Nish. We did that, um, in part at Ali's iconic, um, event, which was incredibly helpful. So I highly recommend that to everyone. Um, and then, the second part to stay fulfilled, um, and this is a slight plug for the book, is that that framework, what I love about it is that you can revisit it all the time. And not only will it help you get out of rock middle, but it'll help you each time you're struggling with developing a new path in your life when you're trying to create change and you're wondering how, um, you know, you know, maybe what you want to do or maybe, you know, what you want to accomplish. And so you've gotten started with identifying, okay, this is where I want my life to end up. Now, how do I get there? This be bolder framework helps you figure that out and helps you really map out the process. And, and I even have a little graph of like action points and things. Um, so I would say that the way that I stay out of it is I keep coming back to that same framework and I keep remembering when I'm off track, I just stay curious instead of beating myself up over and over. Like I previously did, I've realized, you know, obviously that doesn't get me anywhere except for feeling worse about myself. So instead I apply that tool of curiosity and I ask myself, okay, you know, if this is happening for me, instead of to me, this event or change or life, you know, situation, then um, how can I use it for my benefit instead of my detriment? And so I'll say to myself, okay, let me get curious about how I can perceive this as, as a benefit. And what action would I take as a result now of seeing this as a benefit? Because your actions are going to be completely different when you see whatever is occurring in your life as something that's beneficial to you versus perceiving something to be detrimental, you're going to take a very constricting perspective, right? Your actions are going to be, you know, as a result, like, you know, it's very fear driven. Exactly. And, um, and instead, you know, they're going to be, if you're perceiving them to be beneficial, they're going to be expansive. You're going to be looking for new opportunities. And so therefore that's what you'll find, right? We find evidence of whatever we're looking for. And so, um, 
you know, the way I stay fulfilled is really coming, like I said, coming back to that framework and then always throughout my day, week, year, all of it, remaining curious about, about life and what it has in store for me and always believing that it's, it's headed in the direction, especially now that I have given myself this permission to get out of, um, you know, society's definition of success and really head in my own direction. You know, I know I can't mess up. I I'm following my calling. There is no mistake. I'm just need to take the next step in front of me and that's it. The rest will, you know, the rest of the path will appear as it's needed. Yes. Yes. Well said. Stay curious, everybody. If you've learned nothing in the last half hour, I've taken so many notes. Um, you got to pick up Sally's book. It's called hitting rock middle. I think there's a lot, excuse me, this is just the beginning. Like I see this as a really strong brand, Sally. This could really turn into multiple books and a lot of speaking in your future. You've got a really important message and you're going to be, you know, connecting with so many people. This is like a lot of us are on this wavelength and we want to get off and we want to get to a higher place and um, you're making an impact. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you. And I just will say this one last thing. Imagine what is possible if we were to take all of the people that are stuck in rock middle and put them on a path to reaching their greatest potential and giving the world what they were put here to to give and what they're meant to do, how much better of a world we would have. It would be remarkable. And so... I I just get so inspired by that idea that if we were all doing what we're meant to do, the world would be such a better place. And uh, I get excited about so many of you, hopefully, um, just making a slight change to get headed in that direction too. Well, you can start with that change. Go to hittingrockmiddle.com. Sally, thanks again and have a great holiday. Thank you. You too learn more about Sally, go to sallyholder.com and also hittingrockmiddle.com. And you can connect with Sally on Instagram at Sally Holder. All this information is on somoneypodcast.com where you can also click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your questions for our Friday episodes. You can also go on Instagram, follow me at Farnoosh Tarabi and send me a direct message with your questions. Thanks for tuning in everybody. And I hope your day is so money. 